preach tonight a, uh, uh, this is one of those, it seems like recently I've had a lot of those kind of messages where you wonder what you were doing with it and why you were preaching it. The Word of God's good for everybody at all times, and we know that. Um, but in particular, this, this evening, I felt like this was for our new people and, and for our young people. And especially after this past weekend and some of the things that uh, occurred with some of the, the new young people and uh, the Holy Ghost, some of them receiving a Holy Ghost and just the move of God that they had in their lives. And that's, that's a wonderful thing, a wonderful thing. And nothing makes a pastor any happier than see the young people receiving the Holy Ghost. I, I, everybody's important, but to see the young people, that, that's, that's doubly because you want to be sure that Young people are getting it. We lose way too many young people. We way too many young people, and uh, this is something for all of us. This is not just for old people. Yes, it's not. Serving God is not just for someone over 50. All right, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. So I'm going to uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna title this Windows Toward Jerusalem. And I want to come down to my uh, scripture in just a moment, but it'll be in Daniel 6.10 and in Jude 1.17 through 20. And uh, with the time that we're living in right now, I I was reading just just this afternoon in Acts 8 and 1 where it talked about the church went into great persecution. Now, this was after Saul of Tarsus, uh, Paul... Uh, was watching the stoning of Stephen, and and, uh, he was consenting, the Bible says, unto his death. And right afterwards, right afterwards, they went into severe persecution and scattered all of the saints in Jerusalem everywhere. Now, I know God had a purpose in that. But I'm talking here tonight about sometimes the feeling that you have after you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, after even after you've served God for some time, you feel like you are in a strange land. Okay, and uh, I, I want to uh, I, I want to preach. I want to read to you out of Daniel six and ten. It says, "Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees." three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Now, a second passage. uh, Now, this passage is from a man who prophesied of dangerous times, New Testament times, in Jude 1, 17 through 20. And he said, But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would touch, that you would bless, strengthen. God, open our minds, our ears, our understanding. I pray here in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. So how do you live for God in a strange land? How, how does that happen? And I believe that's a good question for a lot of people today. And I, I go back to the fact that we are in revival. And any time 
in church history that you have a great move of God, where you have God moving uh, in, in, in our home groups within the church the way that God is moving. You are going to face persecution because the devil does not like that kind of thing to happen. It's fine for you to go on and do your thing uh, on church and just have church with your same group and never really grow and never really have a move of God. He'll never bother you. But when you start doing something more, the prayer meetings start, the fasting begins, we begin to push and have the worship services and we see people truly loving God the way that we are loving God right now. And not only do we from our heart, but we're showing it in the exuberant worship, in the love and the adoration, not only the adults, but the young people are having towards God. When you begin to see that, then there is going to be some persecution that begins to occur. That is the norm. And we have to understand that not everybody out there understands who we are in here. Now, it's just that simple. It's never going to be that way. And when people out there begin to accept me and say they're just fine, they go ahead and do their thing, and we can go sit in their services and never be moved, then I'm in the wrong place. I have said this before, and you can get upset if you want. I don't really care. But one of two things should happen to you in this church. You should either be moved and be glad, or you should be mad. Now, I'm sorry. I don't want to make people mad, but when it comes to the kingdom of God and preaching the truth, there should be some kind of reaction that comes from the people. You know, that's the question before us today. How do we live for God in a strange land? And as we see this world growing increasingly hostile toward the Lord and the church, we realize more and more that we are strangers in a strange land. Don't you ever forget that you are a stranger in a strange land. Are you? I'm in the kingdom of God. I don't know about you. I'm in the kingdom of God. Now, I have to exist in this world. Bible says I have to occupy till he comes. The word occupy means I've got to take ground and hold it. So I've got to take ground, I've got to hold ground, and I've got, I'm going to have a hostile enemy that surrounds me, but in the midst of all of it, I'm going to be able to reach out towards some of that hostile enemy and grab one or two or three or four and bring them in and say, hey, you want to be a part of something that's bigger than this world? You want to be a part of something that is greater than you've ever experienced before? I want to introduce to you Jesus Christ. He is the King of my world. He is the King of the kingdom that I live in. Praise God. So how do we stay focused on God in this strange land? Let's consider, again, those two passages of Scripture. And that first from a man named Daniel who lived in a strange land. I want to read it to you again. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows now are being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day, prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. And then we're just going again. I'm titling this tonight "Windows Towards Jerusalem." Now let's let's look at Dan. Daniel. Has always been and always will be to me a paradox. He he is he's not one of the regular prophets, if you would, in the Bible. He's obscure man in in biblical history, and surprising for a Hebrew who played such a, a pivotal role. We're not really told of his lineage. You don't see anything with him. We don't know the name of his father, his mother, his sisters, or his brothers. We don't know anything about Daniel. 
Not really. Yet Daniel is a prominent man in Bible history. We see him as a young man being taken into Babylon. We see him refusing to eat the king's meat. We see him being exalted. We see him thrown into a den of lions. We see him interpreting visions, translating writing on the wall, advising kings and enduring changing kingdoms. So what an incredible man he really was. Now you look at him. He was an incredible person. He was a man who did not allow where he was to affect him. But we also see what gave Daniel the power to live in a strange land because he kept his windows open toward Jerusalem. In a figurative sense, Daniel kept the power of God at work in a strange land. In other words, friend, wherever you are, if the window is open in the right direction, the power of God is always going to work. It doesn't matter whether you are at work. It doesn't matter whether you're at school. It doesn't matter if you're overseas. It doesn't matter if you're in Africa. It doesn't matter if you're in the Philippines. That God that I serve, if you keep the windows of power open, you're always going to be affected by Him. There's always going to be something good that can happen to you. You can live for God regardless of what's going on around you if you keep your windows open toward Jerusalem. When wicked men encouraged the king to pass a decree that no one could worship another god or man other than the king for 30 days, Daniel knelt before an open window facing Jerusalem and he prayed as he always had. In other words, it was his habit to pray through open windows towards the beloved city of Jerusalem. It was his habit. And understand, this was more than Daniel's city. It was the city of David. Jerusalem was the city of God. It was where the Holy of Holies stood. It was once home to the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubim reaching across the blood-spattered mercy seat. There was smoke of sacrifice that ascended from the fires of the brazen altar. There, incense had arisen as a sweet-smelling aroma from the golden altar of incense. There, God's glory had filled the house such that men could not minister. Are you with me now? So how do you live for God in a strange land? You leave your windows open towards where God is, Jerusalem. You see, you don't... uh, You don't quite get it yet. No matter how bad you may feel, regardless of how difficult life may be, if you are in tune with the power of God, regardless of where you are, you can be touched by God. I have been touched by God when I worked outside the church in situations that I I don't even want to think about right now. But regardless, I kept my options open. My windows was open towards the power of God. I could touch God by a simple word simply because I never allowed anything to disrupt the flow of the Holy Ghost. And you can do the same thing whether you are young or whether you are old. You never allow anything to disrupt the flow of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the most important thing in our lives. It is what moves us. It is what keeps us. It is what continues to allow us to grow the way that we need to. The Bible talks about the inner man. Likened to many things in the Scripture. The spirit of man is likened unto a candle. 
likened unto a well, soil, a walled city, so forth and so on. You can see that throughout the Scripture. And Jesus suggested another metaphor of a man's inward life. And he called it in Matthew 12:45 a house. Every house has windows. Each one of us can open our lives to different things. Some people open their inner lives to vice. Some people have to, everybody has to have something. So you open your, your, your windows towards vice. People open it towards cigarettes, towards alcohol, towards women or men, or towards, you know, to, to drugs, whatever it may be. They open their windows towards that. And they worship, if you would, that very thing that they open the windows towards. You see, whatever direction you have your window open, that is what you're worshiping. If, you're, if you have it open towards vice, then you're worshiping whatever it is that's got a hold of you. That is your God. That is your thing. Some people open their lives to vice. Uh, Lot looked towards Sodom. Then he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Then he lived in Sodom. And that's exactly the way it works for everybody. You begin to look at it. Then you pitch your tent towards it. Then all of a sudden you're living right in the middle of it. And then you need something. You know you don't like what you feel. You know that you don't enjoy it. But you've got to have some deliverance. The only way that's going to happen is to close that window and open up another one towards the power of God, towards Jerusalem. I'll give him a hand clap of praise. Then you've got other people who open their, their windows towards the arm of the flesh. They look toward our nation's capital as their hope, or they look to Wall Street or to Madison Avenue. They try to do it towards money, towards power, towards politics, and the same thing becomes true. Whatever direction that your window is open to, that thing will you serve. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it doesn't mean that much to you at this point, but to me it means everything. And that is a simple fact that regardless, I refuse to allow anything to dictate to my life except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is the only thing that matters to me. The power of God working in me. It's not just a matter of me being able to lay hands on the sick and they recover. What matters is the fact that I can cry out to Him and regardless of what situation I'm in, I feel the power of God begin to come through and to begin to stir up inside of me and to know regardless of where I am, God is going to set me free. God's going to deliver me. God's going to help me out of whatever that situation may be. Others open themselves up to philosophy. They look to Athens and are inundated with strange gods. If we don't have a society today that's full of that when there's something. You know, I've not said anything about this for a while. It's about time for me to say it. It was brought up. I'm going to say it. This is pastoral. I don't care what society says. It is wrong for same-sex to marry. It's just that simple. It's wrong for same-sex to do anything. And let's just take that one step further. And I know, I know that everybody in this place, that there's a lot of us here and somewhere along the line that we've got associations with that situation. And I realize that's a terrible thing and we're praying for you. But regardless, that becomes a philosophy. 
people began to look at that just like you would. And, and you know, I've read Plato and some of the, uh, the other, uh, some of the Shakespeare. I've, I've enjoyed that stuff through the past. I probably need to do it again. But regardless, you know, it, it's the fact that you cannot allow that to dictate to you. You cannot allow whatever Eastern religion may be coming across, whatever uh, hoodoo or voodoo may be coming around. You can't allow that to affect you. And you may say, well, I'll never worship that. But, but friend, if you're not careful, that stuff is in your mind. And it stops the flow. The window then becomes a little blurry towards Jerusalem. You're no longer seeing the power of God operating in your life the way that you once did. Why? Because you're allowing the cloud of vain philosophy to affect you. We should always endeavor to open our souls only to Jerusalem. When we lift our hearts to the hill of Zion, we find the strength that we need according to the Psalm 121 and 1. Daniel made a statement of faith when he set his gaze toward Jerusalem. That's a statement. Everybody talks about it. I made this mention this before. Statements of faith. Statements of faith. Let me tell you my statement of faith. It's keeping my eye on the holy hill. It's keeping my eye on Jesus Christ. It's keeping my eye on Jerusalem. It's keeping my eye on Mount Zion. It all means the same thing. It's keeping myself looking the right direction. Daniel made his statement of faith. My window is open towards Jerusalem. Regardless of what the king decrees, regardless of what the world says, I don't care if you like me or don't like me. My window is open towards Jerusalem. Give him a hand clap of that. In a strange land, it's easy to forget one's faith. Jerusalem was the seat of God's power. If I forget the old Jerusalem, cried the psalmist. Let my right hand forget her cunning. Dispersed Jews greeted each other in exile by saying, Next year in Jerusalem. That's fervor kept the Jews through Treblinka, Dachau, and Auschwitz and the like, and it burned brighter than Hitler's ovens could ever burn. It burned brighter. These people did not care. Every day, every day, next year in Jerusalem, every day, folks, don't you think that should be the cry of the church? <laughs> every next year, I'm going to be in New Jerusalem. Next year, I'm going to be in New Jerusalem. I don't know about you, but I go back to it. I'm really ready for heaven. I'm ready for the Lord to come. I, I, I'm looking forward. I'm anticipating it. I want it to happen. And when we lose that, we're something that is lost within the church. We're not here just because you're pretty or because I am. I'm here because I want to make it to heaven. I want my family to make it to heaven. I want to reach every lost person I can. My windows have to be left open towards Jerusalem. So what does Jerusalem represent to us? Jerusalem is where the mighty God was revealed. Jesus was about the Father's business in Jerusalem. It was where Jesus walked and talked. And most of all, it is where the love of God was displayed before all at Calvary. So you keep your heart focused on who God is. Oh, I know we're apostolic Pentecost and we have it all. We shout every time we hear about the one God. But how are you thinking? What's in your mind? What's in your heart? 
Do you get confused by all the Trinitarian literature? Do you get it confused? Jesus Christ is God. No ifs, ands, buts about it. Father in creation, Son in salvation, Holy Ghost in regeneration. However you say it, there's one God. Don't forget that. Because when you start forgetting it, you're beginning to close the window towards Jerusalem. There is one God. What does Jerusalem represent to us? It's where the gospel was revealed. The death, burial, and the resurrection took place in Jerusalem. Simon Peter preached that man's response to this good news is repentance. Immersion in water, calling on the name of Jesus, and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Keep your heart set on the gospel. Don't let any other gospel take its place. Now, I haven't preached this way in a long time. This is just basic Pentecost. But we need to hear it over and over and over again. I know, I understand the separation of spirit, body, all that stuff, but it still bothers me when I see things sometimes in Sunday school literature where it talks about Jesus and God. I'm sorry, I don't need to put God in there when Jesus is already there. Because Jesus is God. And you know, we're real quick at saying, God did this. Well, what about Jesus? Then it's His name. Why, why are we a problem with calling Him? There's a lot of gods. The Bible says that. There are gods many. And if your God gets old, you park it behind the church. If it's a new God, it goes out in the front. The thing is, I'm getting ready. I'm going to have to start parking mine behind the church pretty soon. I mean, there are gods many, but what is wrong with just simply saying, Jesus bless you, Jesus is the name, we know it's the name, and we need to, we need to cry out to that name. Listen, friend, don't forget who He is. Because you begin to let some other gospel come in there. We don't have any other gospel. What does Jerusalem represent to us? It's where the Spirit is poured out. The church was born in an upper room. A wind from elsewhere blew through the open windows. Tongues of fire set on each of them. We were born of the Spirit. Through the Spirit we triumph. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So what do we need to do? We need to stay focused on that. We need to stay focused on that. Focus on the power of God. What the Holy Ghost can do in our lives and what the Holy Ghost is doing in our lives. You know, we're, we are soon removed from the value of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And left our own devices, we clunk along with all kinds of machinations of the flesh that's just there, satisfied with what intellect and ingenuity can accomplish. But flesh gives birth to flesh, according to John 3, 6. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Only the Spirit can give birth to spiritual things. I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to get one of those open right out there. I'm going to give you a, a double barrel, 12 gauge blast right now in your face. Do not ever give up praying until you talk in tongues. In fact, we're going to open this altar here in just a very few seconds. Okay? 
and we're going to let you come down here and you're going to pray until you talk in tongues again because that's spiritual talk. Are you hearing me? You need, you need to pray till you pray through. Some of you have not talked in tongues in a long time. Music, come down because when I'm ready, I want you to be ready. So be down here. If I'm going another hour, you can set up here for an hour. It's all right. <laughs> Praying in the Spirit is opening your windows up to Jerusalem. Praying in the Spirit includes praying fervently and in the will of God. But praying in the Spirit also includes speaking in a heavenly language. Praying in the Spirit includes praying in a heavenly language. Now, I know that we pray with our understanding also, but I don't think too many of us have that problem. We need to pray until we pray in the Spirit because then you're opening the windows towards Jerusalem. That's where the Spirit was poured out. Paul was clear about this. He said, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. But what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. There have been a few times in the past when we have had such worship services that we've had people singing in tongues. I have done it before. That's the only time my singing sounds good. You know, when's the last time we've done it? When's the last time we got so deep into the spiritual things that we just began to just nothing there? We had the windows wide open towards Jerusalem. We were singing in the Spirit. Keep your windows open towards Jerusalem. Remain convinced of the mighty God in Christ, the apostolic message and the power of the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit helps you stay focused in a strange land. Paul said it edifies you. It strengthens and it fortifies you. Paul, how could you have so much faith? How is it possible? How could you travel to distant lands and overcome so much adversity? What motivated you and propelled you? How did you do it, Paul? And could it be the answer was that Paul's walk in the Spirit? After all, Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. John on the Isle of Patmos demonstrated the keeping power of the Holy Ghost. While in the Spirit, he was caught away from a strange land into his future fascinating home. Think about it. It was only in the Spirit that he could see heaven. It was only in the Spirit that he could have his eyes open. Jude contrasted those who have God's Spirit and those who don't. It is a choice in his mind of spirituality or sensuality. One caters to the Spirit, the other to the flesh. And to stay strong in a strange land requires the faith-building exercise of praying in the Spirit. Paul reinforced Jude's admonition by saying that we either cater to the flesh, drunk on wine, or we cater to the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit. One leads to dissolution, the other leads to delight, according to Ephesians 5.16. That is the desire, 5.18 rather. That is, should be the desire of each and every one of us. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I'm tired of the carnal sense. I'm tired of the carnal man being that which leads me. The carnal man being that which, which takes me to places I really don't want to go. 
But if I keep my windows open towards Jerusalem, there is going to be a line of reference. There's going to be something that keeps me focused. There's going to be something that keeps me going in the right direction. Why? Because I know where the Spirit comes from. I know that that is the power of God that operates in that, in that area. My, my windows are open towards the power of God. My window is open towards where God's Spirit is. I cannot allow that to go anywhere. That's why it's so important to have prayer meetings. That's why it's so important to do what you do down here on Sunday night. You begin to open those windows wide open. Paul said we should remain filled with the Spirit. That will be evidenced by a song in our heart and praise on our lips. I want you to stand with me. If you keep your windows open toward Jerusalem, you will be kept. Daniel not only survived, but he thrived. Daniel thrived in a strange land because he did not back down. You know, for 20 years, I was... There's mine that's talking to Brother Davis today. In 20 years, I've been trying, we've been trying to build a gymnasium. For the first part of that 20 years, what really held us back was not knowing what we would have to do with the sewage septic systems thing out here. I kept thinking that there would be a sewer system that would come through and we could hook into it, and that would cost some uh, 20 years I waited. Never happened. We finally got serious about this business. The economy tanked. But by the economy tanking, and this is what people miss. We miss so many things. If you keep your windows open towards Jerusalem, you can see what God's doing. But by the economy tanking the way that it did, they couldn't hire as many inspectors in Indianapolis. So they took the septic deal and put it back into Owen County. And we talked to the Owen County guy, and he said, yeah, just go ahead and do it and send us a letter to confirm it. But it took the economy tanking in order for that to happen. Because had that not happened, we would have spent as much on a septic system as what we would on, on the building out there. You know, and, and, I, and I, I can sit back and I think, oh, God, why in the world can't this thing be a little easier than what it is? Why, why can't this? But, but yet God doesn't always move as quickly as I do. But he moves in the right way and at the right time. Oh, I could go on and there's things that I could tell you in the last 26 years that have happened that I, I can tell the difference and know that God was intervening. And why? Because I kept the windows open towards Jerusalem even when I felt like I was going to be thrown into a lion's den. Even when I felt like, you know, something else bad was going to happen, I still kept the windows open because that is the only hope that we have. You're not going to do this on your own. You're not going to make it to heaven on your own. You can't wish your way to heaven. You can't work your way to heaven. It takes keeping your windows open towards the power of God, towards where God is, and believing it with all your heart that God is going to take care of it regardless of the situation. So many of us in here, some of the older ones could tell stories about how God has kept them in situations where they didn't, th they didn't think they would make it through. 
But God was there. Why? Because they always kept their windows open towards Jerusalem. Your eyes closed with me for a little while. Let's close them. Can you hear some? Open your spiritual eyes. I said spiritual eyes. Open your spiritual ears for a minute. Hear that squeaky hinges of windows beginning to open. Windows are so long closed, they're slowly beginning to open here tonight. Would you let them open fully with me? Would you just sling those things open on their rusty hinges? Open them wide so you can set your heart upon Jerusalem. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to be filled with it. And I've been trying to use the term Holy Spirit when I prefer Holy Ghost, but I'm just trying to be modern. Regardless, it's still the same. I want you to allow God to flood your life with His presence. Allow Him to flood your life with His presence. If you have not spoken tongues in some time, this altar is open. If you have never, ever experienced what this wonderful plan of salvation is, if you would like for your life to change, if you would like to see wonders done in your life, this altar is open for you. This altar is open for you. When's the last time you really spoke with tongues? When's the last time you really, you really felt God in your life, really felt the prompting of the Spirit moving in you? This altar is open for you. This altar is open for you. Aren't you tired of living life the way that you've lived it? Aren't you tired of having your windows open for all that the world has to throw at you? Addictions. Oh, God, I'm so weary of being addicted to drugs. I'm so weary of I'm so weary of peer pressure. So weary of people dictating to me what I should do when I know that I need to live for You. I know that my windows need to be open towards Jerusalem, towards You. I know that. I know that these hinges may be rusted and they may seem tight and they may be hard to open if you push hard. If you push hard this evening, if you really try, you can feel something in the Holy Ghost. You can hit it wide open and you can feel that rush of God as He touches you and begins to deliver you and take those addictions out, takes those feelings of uh, insecurities, inferiority, begins to pull them out of you. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? I'm going to keep my eyes closed. I'm just going to go on what I feel tonight. I'm going to go on what I feel because I still feel like someone else needs to be down here. And I'm not looking. I don't know who's at the altar. I don't know how many is at the altar. And I don't really at this point want to know. I just want to reach for that last person that I know. I'm reaching for that last person that is so sick of feeling so little. I'm not knowing what it's like to feel fulfilled. Not knowing what it's like to feel the Spirit of God working inside of them and to have the wonder and be able to have the joy that you've seen around you here this evening as you've seen people worship and shout and run the aisles and you've wondered why, how can I receive that? How can I have that kind of joy? I'm telling you tonight that you can worship. It's right for anybody to worship God. But you can have that wonderful joy that they are feeling when you begin to just allow your Yourself to allow the Spirit to move in you. Open your windows wide and allow the Holy Ghost to come in. And when you do, you will speak with another tongue. Because God chose the tongue, the last, the unruly member, to be the evidence of the infilling 
of the Holy Ghost. I don't seek tongues, but I seek after the Spirit of God. And when I receive the Spirit, then I will begin to speak with other tongues. Would you come? I'm not going to go much longer, but I still feel, I feel, a, I feel a touch. I feel a connection. Would you come? Would you come? I'm going to lay this, this microphone down, and they're going to begin to sing. This altar will remain open. Would you come? Don't allow, don't allow what anyone has said to in any way influence you. Go by what you feel in your heart. It's not a matter of what you have to give up. It's a matter of what you have to gain. Everything in the world is what you have to gain. If you'll just open your windows towards Jerusalem. Lord bless you.